Dady Lady, the book club of love. Hi, you're Elizabeth. Hi, Barbara Ann. Your twin site for Act Two of Episode Seven. Our book is. The Art of Seduction by Robert Greene. And Twin Sights, as everyone knows, refers to something that we said in the immediately previous episode or act. What's your insight, Twin Sight? <laughs> um, so for my Twin Sight, um, I just want to give the world a little vision of what it's like to have a twin sister that's gotten out of a bad relationship with somebody. We Did we ever give this guy a name? Mm, I don't remember. I'm going to go ahead and call him Samson. Is that okay? Yes. Okay. Around the time that you guys broke up... Um, I had the opportunity to pitch an idea to a production company that he also worked at. And I got the go ahead and I was like, thank you very much, company, for allowing me to write for your well-established show. I'm going to go ahead and create a new character. That character's name is Samson and um, he's a massive tool. So (laughs) this is a show that eventually would make its way down the line and then he would see it. So I thought that was great. How many Samsons are there out there? Not a whole lot. So Uh um, that was his name. And then a little while later, um, at the same company, I was given the opportunity to pitch for a completely different show, well-established show. And I was like, again, thank you for this opportunity. I'm going to go ahead and create this other new character. Okay. (laughs) Um, This particular guy is an absolute tool and a dirty liar. These are both kid shows, by the way. (laughs) And I'm going to call him Sam C. So Uh it's a little bit different this time around. Yeah. So, um, and that's also going to make it the way down the line and he's going to have to see it. So there you go. (laughs) I guess... Having a twin is great, number yeah. one. Yeah, because she will just use any opportunity to just really subtly just <laughs> just poke. I was just really poke. upset, wasn't poke, I? Poke, poke, yeah, poke, poke. Yeah. <laughs> just career on the line, poke, oh. poke, poke. <laughs> okay, that's, that was important to me. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I you're appreciate welcome. that. Um, yeah, one of them is like, he's just like, picks up garbage for a living. Uh-huh. <laughs> that's one of the, yeah, the other one's just oh. like a, just awful, just two, just two awful characters. Yeah. So if anyone needs me to write for their show, <laughs> I have this amazing, it's an amazing, it doesn't matter what, what the show is or what. Yeah, <laughs> I have this character. His name is, his name is Samson. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you might get a Samp. You might get a Samp. Maybe this guy um, likes to, I don't know, Bart, help me out. Like, uh, what if his, he's really good at fucking himself? Like, he just, yes. like, he goes, yes. like, he is able to, in any situation, just go fuck himself. Yeah, just, go, yeah, it's like his superpower. I could write, I could write for Marvel, DC. <laughs> Sign me up. His superpower is he fucking sucks, <laughs> and he can fuck himself. Aww. Well, but really, though, I mean, I think the whole country right now is experiencing what it is to really just send peace and love out there to someone you hate. <laughs> Not naming names. (laughs) Peace and love and healing. So Mm -hmm. maybe this Samson, the next Samson iteration, Mm -hmm. could go fuck himself. You know? Yeah, no, that's what I was thinking. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. Tubular. That was tubular. Act two of the Dady Ladies episode on Robert Greens. The art of seduction is right around the corner. Just wanted to remind you that if you have not listened to Act 1, you should go ahead and do that now. There's some crossover, some information, some storytelling, some little bits and pieces. I don't know what I'm saying that are probably going to make more sense if you listen to Act 1. 
And then after that, why don't you listen to the previous episode and all of the Daddy Lady episodes. And then why don't you go ahead and rate them. You could rate them uh, five stars over at Apple Podtunes. And um, then you can find them on uh, Instagram. Instagram at Daddy Ladies, at the Bluebell Twins, at... You know, oh, couple announcements. You need to vote. You don't have much time left to try and get that human being out of the office. But uh, you do have the power to help move him on along. Well, it's getting about time for me to wrap it up here. I took a bigger bite of that cannabis gummy. Uh, bigger than I thought, so I'm gonna roll on into bed and let you listen with no further ado to episode two of Dating Ladies The Art of Seduction Robert Green. <laughs> anyway, yeah, so well, that's nice, we can laugh about that, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> That's the thing, though. Yeah. If you're going to be a great seducer, I think you have to start well and well. Yeah. Robert never says, and then disappear. That's not something that he advocates for. I think with the Casanova, should we mention who Casanova is? Sure. Okay, you do it. (laughs) (laughs) Casanova is a real person? He is, yes. Don't confuse him with Don Juan, who's not a real person. Yeah. Yeah. He would find women with specific, either they were only in town for a short time or they had a partner or something. Like he knew that it was a look there was for an women end date. With a, yeah, with a finite Expir- and he would get expiration. In, mm-hmm. Yeah. He would get in and get out. And yeah. Leave. So that's a good point to make. If you know you only want something for a little while, make sure that you orchestrate this seduction in a way that will not end up as something that should be flushed down the toilet. Yes. So it starts with the seducers of victims, the 18 types. Did any of these victim types ring any bells with you? Let's see what types they are. Because I think I know what kind of type I would be. I know, t- I know what type I was. And what is this was and... Because I say this a lot too. Like I used to be... Well, what's the point that separates you from... Is it pre-Blaine and post-Blaine? Or is uh, it like pre-35 and post-35? It's pre-Blaine... But it's also 20s versus 40s. Okay. Because that's, I met Blaine in my 20s. I was novice. I was the novice. And what is a novice? What separates novices from ordinary, innocent young people is that they are fatally curious. And I think Mm. that's why I went, yeah, you're 20 years older than me. Sure. Why not? Mm -hmm. You're interesting. Novices are interested in people with experience. I think I was probably a novice too. You know, there's something very uh, appealing about being a novice still, because I definitely was very, very curious. And so when people would ask me out, I'd say yes. Just to see? That's more interesting than being home alone. (laughs) But now I know that most people are pouring. <laughs> Good for you. Oh, um, novice was the secret of Lord Byron's success with so many oh. innocent women. Oh, Lord Fucking Byron. Lord Byron. Oh, Lord you, Byron. You did, loved him when you were in high school, right? What did you know uh, about him? I think I was college? in junior high school. Yeah. How did you know about Byron? And, I and liked him. And who is him. he first? Okay, for, Byron is a poet mm-hmm. from the 1800s. 1800s. I memorized one of his poems. Can you recite it now? Let's see. She walks in beauty like the night. A cloud that climbs in starry skies and all that's best of dark and bright meter in her aspects in her eyes. The smell to this tender delight. One shade the morning, the less than half impaired her nameless grace. Uh, something okay. face. Right. <laughs> okay. I don't think we're quite getting <laughs> everything, but. Um, but you, I, I said enough though, right? I believe you. Yes. Yeah. 
How did you find out about him? I found out about him and fell in love with him the same way I found out about him and fell in love with um, Alexander Hamilton. I just saw photos in a history book. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) And by photos, I mean drawings. Uh Because there was no internet. There was. No. So in my history book, I saw a picture of Lord Byron and also I saw a picture of Alexander Hamilton and they're both pretty fine. Uh Yeah. So, (laughs) but in 1990, there was an auction for a lock of Byron's hair. And did you bid on it? I didn't. Because it was $800 that might as well have been a million. Yes. I did not have $800. But recently, the same lock of hair or a different one, I'm not sure, went on to auction. And now it's 20000 So Shit. I know. That would have been an amazing investment. It would have been. I could be rolling in dough right now had I just talked my parents into giving me 800 bucks. I don't need to go to college. Nope. I'm going to live off of this $19,200 that I have just laying around now. Okay. (laughs) How badly did you want it? I wanted it pretty badly. I'm sure I still have the clipping somewhere. Okay. Yeah. Instead, my dad was super nice and got me the six volume set of Byron's poetry. You know how like old fashioned books, you have to cut the pages. You would separate the pages as you went. Like No, I didn't know that. Yeah. So all the pages are still stuck together. You didn't read them? Not yet, not yet. But I have, I have my little six volume. Well, I think I started, I started to open them, and then I was like, oh, all the pages are stuck. I don't know how to do this correctly. But I have other little. Well, obviously, I read. I know all of She Walks in Beauty like the night. I'm just a little shy. Okay, Okay. all right, all right. That's cool. Well, we're gonna tack on a a recitation of that at the end of this podcast. No. Okay. So, um, (laughs) (laughs) but uh, Byron shows up a lot here. He sounded like a sadistic motherfucker and he has he had his underlook they keep talking about his underlook which is very princess die my daughter just i don't know where that where she got it but she does this thing i called eyelashes where she tilts her head down Mm -hmm. she she shrugs up her shoulders and holds her little hands together and she she tilts her head down and looks up and then just blinks and it is so i cannot stop watching her when she does that so i don't know where she must have gotten that from like a cartoon who's that like libidinous skunk Pepe Le Pew. Yeah. I don't think he did that. Somebody did that and she does it. And I'm like, yes. Well, that is exactly how you draw people in. (laughs) I'm going to do it. (laughs) When I was reading, there's one person who met Byron and he made her so um, verklempt. What's the word? So flustered. So flustered that she couldn't even stay in a room with him. Yeah. And it reminded me of one time someone did that to me. This happened to you. You were in the room with somebody and they just charmed you so much that you became... I was at a lunch and this... A luncheon. A luncheon. And this man sat down next to me and he was an actor and I'd known about him since I was... a really very cute... Yes, he was actually the first person I ever had a dream about when I was like nine years old. Yeah, like the first celebrity that I ever dreamt about because I was aware of his body of work Mm -hmm. back when I was in elementary school. Yeah. And he was kind of like, he came into my social circle and then, and then everything just like came to this one lunch where he, there was many places he could have sat, but he chose to sit next to me. And I took a breath and I had to stand up and leave. I just had to go to the bathroom, collect myself because I was about to lose my shit. Yeah. And this, obviously, this gentleman was Paul Rubens. Yeah, that's Pee Wee Herman. I understand. I seriously had, I, I had that reaction. Understand. <laughs> I completely, un- no, Barbara, you're, I get it. I get it. And you know what? What? I came back and I sat down and he was talking about, they were just in oh post God. for Pee Wee's big holiday. And I was like, oh, he's talking about editing. <laughs> did, I, did you say anything? We did talk. <laughs> I mean, he sat down he said, hi, can I sit here? And I was like, yeah, because we know each other. Yeah. 
but just actually sit like his still, physical presence still next to me. MFing Pee Wee Herman, Barbara. I get it. I get it. <sighs> there's not many people I get excited about, but no, there's very, very, um, very few. Very yeah. few. He is just in case you're wondering, world. He is just as insanely charming as you. He's adorable. All right. So then there's those victim types. Well, yeah, oh, yeah. I think I'm a novice too. You're a novice. I have. Or um, I was. I don't know what I am. Uh, I know. Oh, oh. I know who I would be now. Who are you now? A disappointed dreamer. Oh, what are your dreams that were disappointed? They're not. I mean, I'm not. I'm none of these things. But commit. Make it more. I'm going to commit. Okay. Seduce the I'm, audience. I'm absolutely this thing. Listen up. Um, they have been dreaming of romantic heroes of danger and excitement, but what they have is lovers with human frailties, the petty weaknesses of everyday life. Ugh, everyday life. Gross. Ugh, like stability and <laughs> a family. <laughs> oh, do you have a lot of, do you have a great deal of pent up passion and energy which you could release? That's a question for you. Mm, am I? Yes. <laughs> Um, it says that disappointed dreamers also have great imaginations. Is that true? Yeah. Okay. Let's get real for a second. Later on in chapter 14 called Confused Desire and Reality, the Perfect Illusion, it says to compensate for the difficulties in their lives, people spend a lot of their time daydreaming. And I realized, you know, we talked in an earlier podcast about alcohol and how we sort of grew up around alcohol, but we don't have a problem with that. The reason why is because my addiction is daydreaming. I spend so much time daydreaming and I've done that since I was six years old. I'm a lifelong insomniac because I just spend like three hours every evening just thinking about like nice stuff. Huh. Yeah. It's bad, isn't it? I don't know if it's great. I don't think it's great. I know. My brain feels mushy after I do that. Yeah. Do you daydream? Is this how you know that I'm getting a mushy brain? I do. And I I don't feel great about it. Yeah. Okay. Let's put a pin in this to actually do some research, but it's probably linked to depression. Oh, yeah. No, because it's like these, like I get circular sad thoughts and these are like circular happy thoughts, but they're still circular. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Let's go back to the victim type. Okay. Wait, can I tell you about a fantasy I had? Yeah, let's hear it. Speaking of daydreams, Mm -hmm. um, something in this book reminded me of this. It's just a little insight into how if someone would like to seduce me Mm -hmm. in the really spectacular six months between deciding to break up with the triplets dad and moving into my house Mm -hmm. we live together i don't know if anyone has done that it's really fun no it sounds sounds good it's really fun i just started a a new job Mm -hmm. had a lot of responsibilities i come home to this Uh and so i would spend some time daydreaming at work oh that that probably fixed a lot yeah Yeah, I just, I took note of one of my fantasies that I had about, so my life was at home with the kids. I loved seeing the kids. Obviously, things were very rough with X. Mm-hmm. And then the only other people I saw were people at work. So someone I would see at work, and I was like, I'm going to have a great fantasy about this person. And I was thinking, about like, ooh, what if we, ooh, we're at Comic-Con, right? And like, tell me more. Yeah, uh-huh. And um, keep talking. really specific, like, like, oh, he forgot, like, his costume up in his <laughs> hotel room. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and I oh. have to go up to his hotel room because I couldn't have like a fantasy where I initiated anything because it was I was still married, you know. So like in my mind, I had this every. Do you ever do that? Like you have to. Yeah. All the details have to be perfect. <laughs> they have to make sense. We're not alone because um, Jen Kirkman has a whole thing about this too. But <laughs> so like yeah, it's innocent. I'm going like so. Then once we're up there, he's mm-hmm. he's like he finds his costume and then he goes, Barbara. Mm-hmm. I just um. Like, I don't know, I guess like you probably swept me into his arms and he's looking at me. He goes, Barbara, you were such a good mother. 
amazing what you do. <laughs> Three babies. That's incredible. <laughs> like, I'm all yours. <laughs> so that's the key to my heart right now. Okay. Like, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway. So yes. So now we're we're talking about the other. What are we talking about? I don't know. I'm lost in this <laughs> fantasy land of. <laughs> Oh, it's the things that you do to seduce somebody. There's very specific steps. Yeah. You know what's interesting, Barbara? What? This very first chapter, Choose the Right Victim, the chapter begins with preparing for the hunt. And the very first example he gives is from Dangerous Liaisons. Have you seen that movie? Yeah, I watched it not too long ago, actually. Oh, you did? I did. That's so interesting. Um, I haven't watched it for a while, but I, I read this and looked at some clips to remind myself. Should we recount a little bit about what the story is? A, yeah. A very bored dude named Valmal decides he's going to seduce this prudish woman named Presidente de, de Tourville. Okay, in French. And then there's a Marquise. And um, long story Which is a short, woman. a woman. Yeah, um, he's his confidant ouais. and, and former lover. Well, ouais. long story short, everybody ends up sad. Valmont is dead. Torvel is dead. Marquise gets publicly humiliated at the at L'Opera. Mm-hmm. Ouais. Ouais. I thought it was such a weird thing to choose. Like the first example is like, hey, the, all the seduction takes place. And then everyone like ends up with tears in their eyes. In their dead eyes. In their dead eyes. What is, is, that, th- is that the message for this book? I don't know. I don't know. What do you think? I don't know. It's such an, it's it's so interesting to me. Huh. I guess we should just keep talking about the book and see, okay. see what we think. Maybe we'll, maybe we'll figure that one out. I hope so. Because it was perplexing to me. You know? Well, that would be sad if that's the, well, hmm. I don't, maybe yeah. the key is in here somewhere. Yeah. Let's just keep looking. Ooh, chapter two. I'm already there. Nothing is more seductive than the sense of destiny. Oh God, yes. When you think that you're you're supposed to be with somebody, something there's like some little reason that somebody catches your fancy, and you think that they're yes. That that's something that just does not fucking exist for me anymore. Yeah. What if you met a fellow um, with three three with one little boy and two little girls? No. Nope. No. Nope? Okay. <laughs> there's nothing. There's nothing. There's what if you what if you met a man a man twin mm-hmm. and he uh loved you wait mm. yeah i don't know let's try to think of other things what the, if you found a trap door in your bedroom and there's a guy living under there <laughs> <laughs> no okay uh i'm just trying i'm trying out all all, all i like versions. i like all these versions okay destiny do you you and blaine were destined to be together yeah, I mean, as I mentioned before, he had three cats, and I was super allergic to cats. Yeah, uh-huh. Um, and what else? Yeah, he smokes pot, and I hate pot. I don't know. No, every time I've thought, like, destiny, it's always it's been stupid. Because I'm re- trying to read stuff into where there isn't stuff. I mean, yes, it's seductive. Does it work out? No. I'm not sure you have destinies. Well, you know, my first husband. My first husband. <laughs> When oh, I saw a, him, a, a mink stole just grew upon your <laughs> shoulders when you said that. The first time I saw him, I was in love with him. And I'm so grateful for that experience because I know that what that is and that it's real. Yeah. I was at work and I was just walking down the hallway and he was standing in a doorway and I just looked at him as I was walking and it was one of those like everything was slow-mo. I was in love with him. Like I loved him. I knew nothing about him aside from the way he looked at me. Yeah. And we got married and it didn't work, but he's still someone that I adore and I adore his family and you know he's someone who will be in my life forever we were destined to be involved in each other's lives all right I'm gonna backtrack and say I just had a little exchange with Marlon recently because his friend passed away and he'll probably always be in my life so yeah maybe there is something there 
I think so. I yeah. think that's something that you pick up on on some other uh, some other way. Yeah, I don't know what the other way is, but <laughs> me and and Mr. Barber Duffy One mm-hmm. didn't talk for a very long time because it was very difficult breakup and like 15 years we didn't talk at all. Yeah. And then when we talked, there's just he's family. Like, yeah. And yeah. it took that long, and I I kind of thought in my heart of hearts that we would like reconnect at some point you know in, in a way that was well maybe you were destined to be friends and not destined to love each other yes. like to, to that like that's something that i i love people now whereas i didn't love people like i i know what love is now mm-hmm. like to love your friends and to love the people that are in your life yeah. that also i didn't have that real experience the first time you read this book yeah uh so but there are like um i know what it is to project your dreams onto somebody and to that's in this book too oh my there's so much in this book Ooh, here's just like a little post-it that i did okay Mm -hmm. it's chapter seven um enter their spirit and the example is is it rilke is that how you say his last name even though he's german okay (laughs) (laughs) um german is like english but you can't understand anything that's happening right (laughs) no that's um dutch oh is it okay um, Rilke and Salome, this just stood out to me. Okay. Back in Berlin, he turned his rooms in, cause they had gone to Russia. They'd take, they'd traveled together. Cause she and was, she was a philosopher and yeah. a writer and he was a poet. I'll start from the top here. Okay. Uh, 1897 in Berlin, the poet Rainier, Rainier. No. Reine. Reine. Maria Rilke, whose reputation would later circle the world, met Lou André Salome the Russian-born writer and beauty, who is notorious for having broken Nietzsche's heart. So he falls under her spell, and they travel, and they go to Russia. And then back in Berlin, he turned his rooms into a kind of shrine to Russia and started wearing Russian peasant blouses and peppering his conversation with Russian phrases. And then shortly thereafter, she dumped him. Barbara, how much do you love people who come back from abroad? (laughs) And uh, I I can't remember the English word for this. Um, (laughs) Pasta? (laughs) Yeah, that's, that's, I like that. That's really cool. Oh, really? Yeah. Really? Uh-huh. Okay. Well, I was just checking because, I mean, I, 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 I personally, I love it. Have you done that? Yeah. When I came back from Russia, I just, I was like... Um, You're wearing that fuzzy hat, even though it was really hot. I had the fuzzy hat on. I um, made every... You drank vodka for breakfast. Drank vodka. Don't they have like vending machines with vodka in it? No, or? but you can drink anywhere. Well, you could at least. Yeah. yeah. You told me there's like little carts or something with... Oh, Kvass. You could get like, which is sort of like a low, low alcoholic beverage that you could drink. Well, yeah. I mean, we would just like drink champagne on the street uh-huh. or beer everybody was drinking beer but yeah i was doing that dance with the arms yeah yeah, really lo- yeah 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 that's how you moved from place to place right exactly yeah. like from just one room to another yeah. and <laughs> any question i would just answer with the or yet mm-hmm. you know right because mm-hmm. i figured you guys could understand that much right yes okay Duh. how long were you in moscow uh four well, days weekend. <laughs> <laughs> no you were there for a semester <laughs> i was Ooh, okay, here's something that might apply to today in the use the demonic power of words to sow confusion. Yeah, a little controversial as a title, but it is best not to begin your correspondence until at least several weeks after initial contact. Oh my gosh. I know. Can you imagine? And I just have a little post-it that says IMs, but I <laughs> mean... <laughs> what what page is that? This is page 257. Well, I like this chapter because I think you should write... I think everyone should write. Oh yeah, they should. But yeah. but I I'm 
I don't know the exact circumstances that you would wait two weeks. I don't, I mean, I don't know if that really applies to today, but there's something to be said for playing the long game. I mean, 2001, folks was emailing, but I remember waiting a couple days to get an email and being really excited and checking my email and yeah, like it wouldn't come. And then even letters, I would get letters. Oh, letters. I remember letters. I love letters so much. Yeah. Do you have all your letters? Yes. Oh, I have, um, you know, I so want to talk about, I think our next book might be about ASD, Autism Spectrum Disorder, Okay. because um, I've been doing research on it and more and more people are being diagnosed with this, but I think a lot of people have it and just didn't, don't know. And because yeah. there's characteristics and um, one of those characteristics might be, I don't know, saving every single letter <laughs> that anyone ever wrote to you and putting them in folders <laughs> along with every photograph. Wait, this is, I do this. Do you do that? Absolutely. I save, I've saved every letter. And so, you know what you got to do? What? You got to do what I did. Give them back. You gave back your letters? I did. To- I did. To, to various people I gave, I sent a huge envelope to Spain to our friend Anton. I sent, wow. yeah, I got, I, all, all the giant collections I gave back to the people. Why? Um, well, you know, this is so oh, interesting. because you're fucking Marie Kondoing, weren't you? What? Yes. But listen, this is so fortuitous that we would talk about this now because the last time I spoke of this, you're not even going to believe the story exists. You ready? Lay it on me. I was at Poining Pool, which has wonderful tacos. Mm-hmm. Who should get in line behind me? But Robert, Robert Green. Green. Robert Green. And we sat and we had lunch together. I hadn't seen him for a very long time. This was maybe a year or two years ago. It was right when I was doing this. And I told Robert Green this same story that I've been returning letters to people. And he said, why don't you want to see what was going on in your life at that time? And I said, when have you ever written a letter to somebody about their life? These letters were those people's lives. And I wanted them to have their letters back so oh. that they could see what they were doing. Because oh. none of it had anything to do with me. It was them. It was like a snapshot of their time. Oh, wow. I thought that they would have value to people. And most of the people I gave the letters back to said, thank you. And this is great. Side note, your friend in Spain was the boy I had a debilitating crush on <laughs> in high school. Yeah. And while many, many, many boys liked me and some girls, Anton refused me. And uh, he's been with his husband now for... Many years he moved to Spain to be with his husband. He he has the, well, he doesn't have the distinction of being the first gay man I've had a crush on. (laughs) I'll just leave it at that. (laughs) My letters, most of them are love letters, though. Love letters to you? Yeah. I got love letters, too. Are we sent those back? No, no. I actually kept the love letters. Okay. Yeah, I had to. Most of the people I've been, I've had any type of intimate relationship with up until having children mm-hmm. were designed to be romantic at some point whether or not they ended up I have a hard time making friends that don't end up in that arena and is that you're doing or they're doing well I used to think it was all my irresistible reality but uh-huh. I was talking to my therapist <laughs> the word is irresistibility <laughs> irresistibility my implacable irresistibility <laughs> I was talking to my therapist about this being as Barbara, I were mentioned, you, were you sending out sex vibrations? Oh, yuck! <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, you're talking to your therapist about what it was like for me to go to college. Uh-huh. 
again, because I've been thinking a lot about ASD recently, mm-hmm. how I went to, I made the choice to go to a very conservative college because they had a very good film school. And I got there and I was looking around, you know, I was like, I was out there losing my virginity to people who didn't want it. and <laughs> Left and right. Left and right. <laughs> and I had, I could count on my fingers the number of times I had shared a meal with someone else in the fucking cafeterias there. I did not make friends. Yeah. I mean, I did. I made my best friend and had a, had a really lovely boyfriend. Cool. Lauren. Your best friend? Yeah, her name was Lauren. She she's she sing you know, she's the person singing on her my best friend in the whole world. What? The only girl that I love. Oh. <laughs> JK <laughs> When I went away to college, that's when you and I stopped living in the same bedroom and actually liked each other. <laughs> No, we loved each other very That's much. The second true. I moved away, I was like, oh, "Let's <laughs> win!" But I went there, and and I was not making friends like normal friends. Yeah, you know, like thing I don't know how to do now. Uh-huh. Um, I make your friends for you. Yeah, no biggie. <laughs> but I I did know how to attract people, and then you know, and it was better to, and I was bored and lonely, and yeah. then I knew I didn't want relationships with these people, and yeah. But that's rough. That's rough. I wish boys just wanted to be friends with girls, and vice versa. There's so many cool guys out there, but there it's confusing that I would want to be friends with them. To them, I think. Yeah, and that to this day, I am still very curious about people. I know most people are quite boring, but there are some really interesting people out there. I, I always start out thinking someone's interesting. Yeah, and I don't necessarily want to to see their doodles. You know? I never want to see their doodles, Barbara. It, it's really. It's, you think it's, well, you and I have different perspectives on this because they know I don't want to see their doodles. So I'm, they don't. According need... to this book, that is not necessarily true. Mm. Married people are prime. Yeah, but no, nope, nope. Everyone loves Blaine. And to go behind Blaine's back would make you the biggest asshole in the world. So no, I'm hmm. not a prime, not a prime candidate. Well, talking about letters. Oh, letters. Most of mine are love letters. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. And then I always thought that it was, you know, me just being sort of irresistible, right? Mm-hmm. Is that the word? Yeah. But I think, not to be disgusting, but I probably have learned to manufacture a sex vibration. Oh, God. <laughs> because that's my that's my defense mechanism. Like, you know how, like, babies have big eyes and shit? Uh-huh. Like, that's my way of, like... Oh. <laughs> you're like... And I'm unconscious of it now. Hey. Do you think you want to come over and sit at my table while I eat lunch so I won't sit by myself? But that's it. Then you got to go away, Daddy. I mean, we Okay, you got me back. You got me back for saying sex (laughs) vibration. Okay? We can hang out later, but just platonically. Oh, the definition for platonic is in here, which I didn't know. Plato. Did you know that everyone in ancient whatever was gay? Oh, so gay. (laughs) Socrates was gay. And you have some bit of his philosophy in your head, whether you like it or not. (laughs) Platonic love. Rising through levels of closeness to wisdom and true beauty from carnal attraction to individual bodies to attraction to souls and eventually union with the truth. That's way more than I thought, like, I just want to be friends meant. You know how I learned about platonic love? Tell me. Um, I had a crush on a Christian guy in high school. Oh, let's, yeah, yeah. You know, like, I didn't really, I tried to hide a little bit, but not so much, and... Then um, one time it kind of came, it all came to a head when we were standing outside of our journalism class and we were, and I was obviously upset because I wasn't getting what I needed from him. And he explained to me that the love he has for me is platonic love. Um, and, and just like, just, I just, want, just it started raining, you know, <laughs> and I'm like, and I'm like crying and he explained, he's explaining rain? to me, yeah, my love for you is platonic because, um, you know, you're going to burn in hell. So I really can't get that <laughs> close to you. <laughs> Okay. Oh, oh, 
okay. Oh, yeah. it, he just did he preface it with? I mean, the burning in hell part, or you just? Sh- no, I mean it was just like, like he had to say that part, yeah. right? Yeah, 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 yeah. So, but he was nice enough to have platonic love for me. <laughs> Journalism class, by the way, <clears throat> tenth grade. We had that teacher yeah. who taught us Dylan Thomas, and I'll never forget the term "spun butt of the world." Yes. And by the time we got to 12th grade, he had also embraced his Christianity and was giving entire lectures on how, uh, with with uh, analogies on, basically he hated gays. Yeah. And he wanted us to hate gays too. Yeah. And this was taught in the 90s. Yeah. Not knowing, by the way, that creative types are drawn to journalism class and you're preaching to a bunch of gays. Yeah. So good on you. Nice work. Where is he now? God, he should be fired, that guy. Yeah. Actually, another side note for your friend mm-hmm. who um, uh, went to college and not a Christian ma- no ma- more. maintained a friendship <laughs> with Jesus, <laughs> dropped some of the uh, um, the beliefs, the ones had to do with hell. He and I went to go visit. <laughs> we went to go visit our journalism teacher and made sure that we smoked pot in the car before going in. We well, got to. Yeah, yeah, and then we get and then we gave a talk. I heard he dropped the J man when he discovered BJ's. <laughs> <laughs> and the J in that one does not stand for Jesus. <laughs> All right. <laughs> <laughs>